Heavenly Father, it is indeed a blessing that we can come here this morning and worship you together, that there are brothers and sisters in Christ that we can gather with to hear from your word, to read your word together, to hear it preached. Lord, we pray that you may indeed speak through me this morning. May I be able to encourage the brothers and sisters that are here gathered. And if there is anyone here this morning who is not a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, may they be encouraged to seek Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you may speak powerfully through your word and powerfully through me as we look at what the author of Hebrews said so many years ago. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, at the moment, we're trying to teach Joshua to be polite. We're trying to teach him to say, he has limited vocabulary, but to say those words, please and thank you. And he has grasped the ability to say please and thank you. Yes, his pronunciation isn't as great as an adult's, but it is nevertheless definitely a please, maybe more like peas, but please and thank you he can express. But then we want to make sure that he says them under the right circumstances, so we go about trying to encourage him to do so, encourage him to do the right thing. And so when manners are absent, when he is receiving something and he doesn't say thank you, well, we point out, no, you've got to say thank you. You've done the wrong thing in just taking something without being polite. And, of course, we don't just warn him, encourage him by warning him when he's done the wrong thing. We also encourage him when he does the right thing. Uh, So when he does say thank you, when he does say please, we praise him. We encourage him. That is lovely, Joshua, to hear you say that. I really like it when you are polite. And so we encourage him to do the right thing by encouraging him when he's doing the wrong thing, by not saying please and thank you. We, we get in there and say, no, you've got to say it. And when he does the right thing, we encourage him that, yes, that is a good thing that you're doing. And we all need encouragement in not sinning, in doing the right thing. It's not simply a matter of manners. There are many things that we need to do in life that God has instructed us to do, and we need encouragement to do those things, to carry on being obedient. And that's what we're going to look at this morning. The subject of this morning's message is encouragement. And we've come to that as we've worked through this passage in Hebrews chapter 3. We've come to this section of encouragement after the author of Hebrews has been particularly speaking about the subject of harder hearts and grumbling in the desert. If you flick back to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, we can see that uh, this has been the subject and gradually the author has worked up to this uh, command to encourage us. If you've got a black church Bible, it's page 1185, 1185, where we read in Hebrews chapter 3, firstly, that God tells uh, the... Uh, the Israelites in Psalm 95, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert. So the subject of hard hearts, we looked at a number of sermons ago and how the hard hearts in the desert were particularly because of the grumbling that the Israelites were doing. They were hard heart hard-hearted and grumbling Israelites in the desert. Uh, They were grumbling particularly about the lack of water that they had. If you go back to Numbers, you see that again and again the problem with the Israelites is their grumbling. And then we looked at the fact that in verse 10, this makes God angry. And so in verse 10 we read, that is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. 
And so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. So God says, don't harden your hearts as they did in the rebellion. And I was angry with them. God doesn't like grumbling. He gets angry about it. And then last week, we looked at the root cause of their grumbling, the root cause of their hardened hearts. And that was in verse 12, where we saw, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. And last week, we basically saw that unbelief in God is the root cause of our hard hearts, our sin, our grumbling is because we don't believe in God or we don't believe the attributes about God that are said in the scriptures, that he is a good God, that he is a just God. And when we grumble, we're reflecting that, well, we don't think he's good to us. And so I encouraged last week you to do what he commands there in verse 12, the author of Hebrews, see to it, look out for unbelief in your own life and fix it. Make sure you fix it by belief. The opposite of unbelief is belief. Believe in God and believe particularly in Jesus and his forgiveness. But this week we come to verse 13 where we see that we're also not meant to just simply look for unbelief in our own lives, but we're also meant to look for unbelief in the lives of others and encourage people not to have that unbelief. And so verse 13 reads, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You're supposed to get rid of unbelief in others around you as well. And I mean, that's what he said in verse 12 as well last week. He says, see to it, brothers, that none of you, plural, and it could be translated none among you, has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. You're not simply meant to look at your own self, you're meant to look at the people around you as well. It's a plural you. You're meant to look at them, and you're meant to get rid of the unbelief in them. You're meant to watch out that they don't have unbelief around you as well. So how do you help others not to have a heart of unbelief that grumbles? Well, the command is there in verse 13, and it's my first main point this morning. Encourage Others, But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You're meant to encourage others. That's how you tackle the unbelief that you see in others. You encourage them. How do you encourage them to not have a heart of unbelief? Well, firstly, you encourage them not to be disobedient. More of a sort of a negative kind of encouragement. When you see unbelief in someone else, you encourage them. What you're doing is wrong. Do you realize that the grumbling you are committing or the sin you are committing reflects unbelief of heart? That you're believing that God is not there or God is not powerful, God is not good God. And so you encourage them to be very careful. Do you realize that what you're doing is sin? And it's a sin that God is wrathful against. We just saw that back in verse 10, that God gets very angry about unbelief. And you should be able to say that to others. You should be able to notice the unbelief in them, notice the sin and say, do you realize what you're doing is serious? And that God gets very angry with that unbelief? And so you warn them, you encourage them not to do the wrong thing. 
that they're doing the wrong thing and so they need to be told not to do it. They need to be encouraged against it. And they need to be encouraged to fix that problem of unbelief as well. You need to present the solution, which I presented last week as belief. You're meant to say, do you realise that what you are doing is sin and you need to believe that God is the good God that he is. He is there and he is all-powerful. And you need to believe that Jesus Christ pays for your sin. Because when we sin, it really sends a statement through that Jesus' sacrifice is not that big a deal to us. We're saying that God giving his one and only son doesn't deter us from sinning at all against him. And it's a terrible statement to make. And it shows a reflection of unbelief in Jesus' sacrifice and its full meaning. And so we need to encourage those around us to believe that Jesus Christ did indeed die for them. And then the other way that we can encourage them is by encouraging people when they are obedient. So when you see them being disobedient, one way you can encourage them is by saying, look, what you're doing is the wrong thing. The other thing is you can praise them when they're doing the right thing. And this is what we often think of when it comes to encouragement, that when you see someone doing something good, you encourage them by saying, well done. Just like with Joshua, my son, when he says please and thank you, I'm meant to praise him. I'm meant to encourage him to continue doing it by saying, that's great. I love it when you, when you say please and thank you. We love having a polite boy around the house. And that gives him a little bit of encouragement. I'm not sure if he understands exactly what I'm saying, but its aim is to sort of perk him up so that he'll do it again and again. And that's what we're supposed to do with other people around us as well. When we see them doing the right thing, do we just ignore it and move on? No, we should encourage them. We should say, well done. I really like it when you do that. It encourages me that you are a Christian and that God is a good God and he is working in you. We should encourage people by saying, well done, and letting them know that we are encouraged by what they have done. But who do you encourage? We're supposed to encourage others, but who are we supposed to encourage? Well, basically, it's got to be those that you know. And that's my second main point this morning. Encourage others by knowing others. It's very hard to encourage someone that you don't know. You need to know them. You need to see, see them. As in verse 12, it says, see to it. You're meant to look. You're meant to know others. And this text then assumes that you know brothers and sisters in Christ because that's who uh, is being addressed in verse 12 as well. It says, see to it, brothers. You're supposed to know other Christians. A person who calls himself a Christian but does not know any other Christians can't complete this command. So how does a Christian know other Christians? Well, it's obvious, isn't it? You go and be a member at a local church. A local church is an excellent way to get to know other Christians so that you can indeed encourage them. But it's not enough to simply be a member of a local church. Go along each Sunday, show up at 10 o'clock and then leave at 11 o'clock. You aren't going to get to know anyone doing that. You need to talk to them. You need to find out about them. You need to question them about their lives. You need to observe them. 
And you can do that by coming along to church each Sunday and then staying afterwards, talking long afterwards. And that's one of the, the good things about our church. We often find people are very slow to get out the door on Sunday. People hang around and they talk to one another. They don't simply come and leave. They want to know one another. They talk to one another and then they observe one another. And then, of course, that means that they can be encouraging one another because they know each other. And so I encourage you this morning, you've got to be part of a local church if you're a Christian so that you can complete this command and encourage other Christians. But this also means if you've got to know others to encourage them, you've got to turn that around as well and remember that you need to be encouraged as well, which means other people have to know you. You need to open yourself up. When people hang around after church, and you hang around as well, you don't hang around in silence, and when they ask you questions, you don't give short, brief answers, and don't open yourself up. You need to let other people know about you. And so really, we can't allow often what our culture has with privacy laws to invade into our community as Christians. As Christians, we have a lot less privacy from one another. We should be open about the things that we're struggling with. We should be open about particular sins that we struggle with. And so our culture's fascination with privacy laws, which seems to be getting worse and worse all the time, where I think in the future someone will say, you invaded my privacy by watching which house I go into and so working out where I live, is starting to get really ridiculous. We've got to realise that that is not part of our culture as Christians. We have to be ready to open ourselves up to one another if we expect to be encouraged by others. We have to uh, uh, tell people what it is that we struggle with, what sins we have, and let them watch our lives. Let them watch us and so that when we have blow-ups, they're there to see it and then can warn us that what we're doing is the wrong thing, that they're there watching us when we grumble and they're able then to say, do you realise that what you're doing is the wrong thing? And so we need to watch others, but we also need to make sure that it's easy for others to watch us and to see to it that we're not sinning. So we saw, firstly, that we're meant to encourage others. Secondly, we saw that we're meant to encourage others by knowing them. Next one question I want to ask is, how often should you encourage others? How often should you do this? And that's my third main point this morning. Encourage others daily. Encourage others daily. And that's there in verse 13. It says, but encourage one another daily. You should be involved in the lives of other Christians, particularly the members of your church that you attend, not simply on Sundays. It's not as though you have one day of the week that you set aside to knowing the church members. No, we should be ready to make contact with other Christians at our church on a daily basis. Not that you contact them every day, but that you do see that the week is there to know other Christians as well. And so you can do that by contacting them personally. It's very easy to make contact, and it may not just be physical face-to-face contact, which is difficult if you're not local to your local church, but you, these days with telecommunication, in all its glory, you can send an email, you can send a text message, you can even do the old school thing of phoning someone 
and actually speaking to them verbally, you can do that and encourage them. Get to know them better, call them up, talk to them, have a bit of a chat, and through knowing them, be able to encourage them as you are commanded to do so here in Hebrews. But you can also get to know other people fairly easily by simply attending church activities. It may seem a little invasive and a little hard to do to regularly be making personal contact with people, but if you come along to church activities, it's very easy to then get to know other people at church. And we have many activities on at church. We have Bible studies, we have uh, men's meetings, women's meetings, we have knitting groups, we have uh, young adults evenings, prayer meetings, members meetings. Coming along to members meetings is very informative about other members. Uh, Not so much about our church. Um, I've seen here, our church is very peaceful when it comes to members meetings, but other members meetings at other churches reveal quite a lot about certain people, how interested certain people are in politics, how interested people are in flying off the handle. Uh, Coming to members' meetings can be very revealing about people and then give you opportunities to encourage that person to maybe avoid something or that you are very pleased about their stance on something that you heard at a members' meeting. Coming along to meetings is a very good way to get to know others. And I know that from experience, particularly with Bible studies. The people that are in your regular weekly Bible study, you get to know better pretty much than most people at church. Attending a Bible study is an excellent way to get to know other people. And so as you come to those meetings, you get to know them a bit better and you also benefit from the Bible teaching, if it's a Bible study or something to do with men's meeting, there's things you benefit from learning there, but you also get to know others. And then you can start to encourage them. And that happens on different days than Sunday. And so that is included, I think, under the command here, encourage one another daily. We can encourage one another on Tuesday with Bible study. We can encourage one another on Friday with a men's or women's meeting. And if you have time on a... now, Tuesday morning, you can encourage others by coming along to the knitting group. We haven't seen any men at knitting group yet, I don't think. But um, yes, uh, everyone is welcome at knitting group. You can encourage people by coming along to those activities. But also, another way that you can encourage other Christians daily, and this is the easiest way to do it daily, is if you live with other Christians. It is a great privilege to be able to live with other Christians. Many people... In church history and even today are the only Christian in the home and they often mourn that loss that they have, the relationship that they don't have with other Christians in the home. And if you do have that enormous privilege of having a Christian husband or a Christian wife, Christian children, Christian parents, Christian friends who may be living with you, seize that opportunity to get to know them so that you can fulfill this command of encouraging them, of noticing the sin that is in their life and encouraging them to avoid it. And when you see them doing great things, encourage them that they're on the right track. I really like it when you do that. It is a wonderful thing that you do and you encourage them and spur them on in their good deeds that they're doing. So we need to encourage one another daily. Next question I want to answer is, how long are you to encourage other Christians? How long are you supposed to do it for? Do you just have a brief period in your life, maybe when you're a new Christian, that you do this? And then once you've sort of ticked that box, you can move on. 
No, my fourth main point this morning is encourage others while it is called today. And that's what he says in verse 13. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. As long as it is called today, you're supposed to encourage others. And we see the NIV translation has put an uppercase T there, so it's a a proper noun, so that we grasp what's going on here, that he is calling a certain period of time today. And that's actually a reference back to verse 7, which was a reference back to Psalm 95, where we read, So as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the desert, where your fathers tested and tried me and for 40 years saw what I did. Today is at the beginning of that quote. And what does it say? Today, if you hear his voice. While you can hear God's voice, it is today. It is today. And so basically, the author of Hebrews is saying this whole period of time where God is graciously speaking to us and calling us to follow him, it's today. That whole period of time. And so from from when you become a Christian... Till you die or Jesus returns, this responsibility falls upon you. It's all today, this period of time you're living in right now. You're supposed to go on encouraging people as long as you're in this period of time right now. Until Jesus returns or until you die, you're supposed to encourage others. Now that might seem like hard work, that... There's no end in sight to this command to encourage others. But that's part of what you're called to do. And if it seems troublesome to attend Bible studies, attend prayer meetings, attend members meetings, that it seems like a lot of hard work to get to know other people around you, well, that's part of being a Christian. We have to put our noses to the grindstone and the rest that we seek is the rest that is in heaven. We can spend a lot of time resting there. And, uh, and that is the rest, the heavenly rest that we head to. So we need to keep on encouraging one another while it is called today. But why do we need to encourage one another? We've seen that we're supposed to encourage others. We're supposed to encourage them by knowing them. We've seen that we're meant to encourage people daily and we're meant to do it as long as it is called today. Why are we supposed to encourage one another? Well, of course, Hebrews 3 commands us to do it. But he also gives us of reason at the end of the verse. He says in verse 13, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. He wants us to avoid being hardened, having hard hearts and grumbling like they did in the desert. And they were hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so this morning my fifth main point is encourage others because of sin's deceitfulness. Sin is deceitful. It convinces us that we're okay when we're not. And so what do we need when we're convinced by the deceitfulness of sin? We need somebody else to come along, reflect on what we're doing in our lives and say, Do you realise what you're doing is sin and reflects unbelief? That you've been deceived by sin and so you are sinning and you need to snap out of it and come back to faith in Christ Jesus. 
Sin is terribly deceitful, and so we need other people around us to come alongside us and encourage us, encourage us that we're doing the wrong thing and we need to rectify that sin that is in our lives. They can help you, the other Christians around you, spotting that unbelief. And so we need them there. And they also can encourage you when you're doing the right thing. See, the trouble with sin being deceitful, sometimes you're actually convinced, sinfully, that you're doing the wrong thing when you're actually doing the right thing. You're actually doing a positive good, and yet you've become convinced in your own mind that you're a bad person in doing that. You've been deceived by sin, and so you need someone to come along and say, well done, you're doing well there, you're doing the right thing, and encourage you and spur you on. Sin is terribly deceitful. It convinces you that wrong is good, and it often convinces you that good is wrong. And so we need other Christians. We can't be isolated on our own, because sin will just get us and deceive us again and again, and we will end up with hard, grumbling, unbelieving hearts that are evil through and through. We need other Christians around us. So do you encourage others? Do you seek to encourage others by knowing them, by getting to know others? Do you encourage others daily and know that you have to do it while it is today, while we're in this period of grace? And you do it because you know how sin is so deceitful and you know that others around you need it. And do you allow yourself to be encouraged by others? Some people don't like getting encouragement. They seem to dismiss it. They try to be modest and they don't take the encouragement when it's there. Or when they're rebuked by sin, they let it fall on a hard heart. Do you allow others to encourage you Do you allow them to get to know you? Do you allow them to encourage you daily? Do you try and make contact with others so that they can see you and encourage you? Do you do it while it is today? You know that you've got to open yourself up more and more to those around you for the rest of your life and let them in. And do you do it because you know how deceitful sin is and so you need the encouragement of others? I must admit that this sermon, preparing this week, has thrown me around a bit. That I've reflected on it and realised that, yeah, I'm not someone who probably opens myself up enough to encouragement. That I keep myself to myself. I open myself up very well to my wife. Now in Proverbs 31 it says, A wife of noble character who can find... Well, I've found her. I really do love my wife. Uh, She is a wonderful person, really is. Um, I really do love her. And I open myself up to her, and she is a great encouragement to me. She's good at warning me when I do the wrong thing, and she's good at encouraging me when I do the right thing and saying, yeah, you're doing a good job. But I don't think I open myself up to others at church in the same way. I probably shouldn't open myself up in the same way as I do to my wife, but I could have room for improvement here. Let you know the struggles that I'm going through and ask for your prayers for me so that you can encourage me, so that you can see when I do the wrong thing and say, Joel, what are you doing? 
and accept that encouragement from you. And when you see me doing the right thing and I can then say, yes, I like to hear encouragement from you. I really do crave encouragement about my sermons. And if you want to encourage me about my sermons, the best possible thing you can do is say how the sermon was helpful to you. You can say it was a good sermon, and I'll think, oh, yes, you're being polite, just like Joshua is polite with, you know, please and thank you. But if you can say about something you heard in the sermon that challenged you or really comforted you, how it was encouraging to you, that is an enormous encouragement to me. And I, I'm opening myself up to you this morning in telling you that 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 is something I really do crave. I do crave that kind of encouragement about my sermons. And I hope in the future, to, after being challenged by this sermon this week, to open myself up more to you and uh, more and more to you. I mean, the one about attending activities, I've kind of got that one down pat. Um, I do show up to everything except pretty much the knitting group and the women's meetings. I'm there. So you get to know me a bit through that. But I think I can probably reveal more of myself to you. And I hope that you can reflect on whether you can reveal more of yourself to me and to those around you. You do reveal much of yourself to me when I come around for pastoral visits, but you can reveal more of yourself to one another as well. And also with this sermon, it wasn't just that I was challenged by the fact that I don't open myself up enough to encouragement, I also started to reflect on whether I do encourage you enough. Often we'll point out things that you're doing wrong, but do I actually do the positive encouragements enough? Am I one who comes alongside you and says, I really like that you do that? And I think we can all improve there. Maybe you think that I am good at encouraging, but I mean, often I think I leave it to encourage you as a corporate body to the members meeting, the AGM, at the end of the year I do the pastor report, mid-year report, and I encourage you then. But I don't think I encourage you enough other times, and particularly this morning, I want to then take that opportunity to encourage you that you are a wonderful church. I really do love you. I love being a part of this church. I love the love that you have for me and that you have for one another, and it's so evident in so many ways. I love the fact that you have love for brothers and sisters overseas as well. Your support of missions is fantastic. The way that you have a love for your suffering brothers and sisters through your support of Barnabas Fund again and again is such an encouragement to me. And I want to encourage you this morning that you are doing the right thing there in loving one another, loving me and my family and loving your brothers and sisters throughout the world as well. And one of the other things that I just want to encourage you about is your love for solid biblical teaching. Your love for the Bible in this church is such an encouragement to me and I want to encourage you as well about it. Many of my sermons I feel a bit nervous about because they can often be a bit hard-hitting and challenging and I feel like, oh, how's that going to go down? But often those sermons are the ones that people say are the best. I gave a sermon on grumbling uh, on from Hebrews a few weeks ago and one person said that was a really good sermon. When the ones that I preach that are really challenging, they're often the ones that I get the best feedback about. And that's really great, that you love to be challenged. You're a church that I am encouraged to serve, and I hope to encourage you to persevere in the faith now. But also at this point, want to make one last encouragement as well, is to any non-Christians who may be here this morning as well.
I want to encourage you to consider what you're doing. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ, if you're not a Christian, what you're doing is serious. And I want to warn you with love to turn away from serving yourself or whatever else it is and turn to God because he is a wrathful God against unbelief. And I love that we have non-Christians attend here. I want to encourage you this morning to turn to Jesus, to trust in him and his death at the cross for you, for your sins. Admit you are a sinner, repent of your sins, and believe that Jesus died for you. That's one of the greatest encouragements that I can give to anyone. It is the greatest encouragement I can give to anyone, is that you turn to Jesus Christ. Let us speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for how it tells us how to live. And it so fits with life, Lord. We recognise that we need encouragement and therefore we need to open ourselves up to others. Lord, we pray that this church, Des Moines Baptist, may indeed be a church that encourages one another, encourages one another by knowing one another, opening themselves up to one another, encourages one another daily, not simply reserves encouragement to Sundays. Lord, we pray that we may encourage one another as long as it is called today. And Lord, we pray that we may encourage one another because we know how deceitful sin is. Your word has told us, and when we look at our lives, yeah, we see how deceived we can be by sin. Lord, we need one another, and we thank you for providing us with brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray that we may indeed keep this command of encouraging one another. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.